In recent uh, weeks, there's been a lot of discussion, and we had someone we were on vacation too, with regards to uh, what is wrong with a person who would take a gun and uh, go in and take a gun and go in and kill innocent people. Uh, this is the local paper out in Salt Lake City. Uh, what ignites such violence? What's wrong with somebody who would do something like that? And then the subtitle under that question is, shootings put focus on guns, white supremacy, mental health, and video games. People are trying to figure it out. Why would someone go in and shoot and kill innocent people? And I saw another headline um, on the internet, and I liked it because it was biblical. This headline said, Horrific shootings are the symptoms. The heart is the cause. Very interesting. It was um, an article that was written by the vice president of, uh, well, uh, James Dobson's Family Institute. And uh, he, he talks about what happens in the heart of a person that would cause that person to kill people he doesn't even know. You have that verse in front of you, which was read during Scripture reading this morning. Jesus clearly states, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders. So the individuals, the two with the two killings, one in El Paso, Texas, and the other one in Dayton, Ohio, there's a problem with the heart. Now, uh, there's a lot of discussion, as I mentioned, with regards to why people do these things. President Trump said, if you look at both of these cases, you'll see that this is mental illness. These are people who are very seriously mentally ill. Then later he went on to say, he broadened his list of factors, and he said, um, it's not just mental illness but violent video games. And he called on the nation to condemn such things as racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. What causes mass murders? I think it's pretty clear in the Word of God. Satan gets a hold of people's hearts. And we'll look at a verse that tells us that in a few minutes. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts and murders. The disciples, when they heard Jesus speak of these things, said, well, you know, what you just said offended the religious leaders. Well, because they taught, well, it's things that you do it's things that you, you do in response to um, religious requirements. And uh, Jesus responded by saying, Listen, leave these religious leaders alone because they're blind people leading the blind. 
the disciples then said, look, explain things to us. And Jesus went on to say, um, these things proceed out of the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Very interesting. So the word of God is very clear that the need for any human being to be right before God is to have a change of heart. You see, if any man be in Christ, he becomes a new creation. And uh, we receive a, a new heart that God does a work inside us spiritually when we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I think it's interesting both the Old Testament and the New Testament talk about the need for the work on the heart. In Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 30, the Lord says to the people of Israel, Repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. And get yourself a new heart. I thought that was interesting. I never noticed that verse before. Get a new heart. In fact, the new covenant that the Lord made not only with the people of Israel, but we come under the blessings of the new covenant. The Lord said in Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I would put my spirit within you. Now, I mentioned to you that I would show you a verse that verifies the fact that the people who commit this type of crime, mass shootings, have a deep heart problem. In fact, Satan comes in. And that verse, by the way, and I want to look at it, I want to look at it with you, is Acts chapter 5 and verse 3. If you want to turn there, Acts chapter 5 and verse 3. And pick it up at verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And they came back and they kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware and brought a certain part of it and laid it at the disciples' feet. Now the point is that they said they sold this land and we're giving all that we made from this land. We're giving it to the work of the gospel. Watch verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan, look at this terminology now, filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? See, did you see the terminology there? That the Holy Spirit had filled his heart. So what are we saying up to this point? We're saying it's possible for someone to have their innermost being controlled by Satan, which results in doing things like lying or killing or adultery, all these type of things, which Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15. For out of the heart comes these things, false witness. Now we ask ourselves the question, what is the heart? Well, it's not the physical organ of the body, but many, many times in Scripture there's a reference to the inner person, the inner life, the inner life that controls our thoughts and our emotions and our decision-making, the inner, the inner life of uh, the individual. That's what the heart is. Over 800 times the word heart refers to the inner life of a person. 
The, the heart is the seat of human emotions, both positive and negative. You see, the Bible is very clear that the heart can be filled with hatred. And probably those who feel they need to take other people out, uh, commit mass murder, that hatred has filled their heart. Who's ultimately behind it? They've given themselves over to the enemy of the souls of men, Satan. It's Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17, where the Lord said, even to the people of Israel, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You see, outward sin ultimately begins in the heart. And it's a serious matter when we get to the place where we want to um, just hate somebody for what they've done. Now, you might say, well, you know, um, people do bad things, and I'm just human. So it's only natural for me if somebody does something bad against me that I, in turn, hate that person. But you see, because we have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He has the ability to control our hearts. And we have the ability to be forgiving. In fact, Jesus said, love your enemies. Well, you, you can't do that on your own. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's amazing what we can do through the power of Jesus Christ. We can be forgiving towards those who, who might not even want forgiveness. Who don't even care about how we feel. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So you see, the Lord is able to touch the heart. And it's very clear when the Lord says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart. He's saying, Take care of your heart. In fact, that's the big idea in the message this morning. Take care of your heart. Make sure your heart's right before God. And you know, when I look at this, and I've been looking at these verses through the week, I'm, I'm saying to myself, yeah, Is my heart right before the Lord? Am I where God wants me to be? Lord, is there anything in my heart that shouldn't be there? We sang the song, Search me, O God, and know my heart today. That'll be a closing verse this morning. That's good to do. It's good to check up on our relationship with God. Lord, is my heart right towards you? And is my heart right towards others? Because you remember Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and your neighbor as yourself so God wants us to be checking up on ourselves the heart also uh, can experience real pride Proverbs 6.17 says six things the Lord hates yea seven are abomination unto him and at the top of the list is a proud look you have to be so careful right next to that is the lying tongue We as believers, when we submit ourselves to the Lord, when we give our hearts to Him, can realize the um, work of the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing what it can uh, keep us from. First uh, Samuel 28 verse 5 says, When King Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled. He was filled with fear. So I ask myself the question, is there something I'm afraid of? Well, then I think of that verse in Timothy. 
For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Very important to realize what God can do with the heart. Furthermore, the heart also experiences gladness. It's very interesting. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, we have Hannah who was blessed of the Lord to have a child. And she says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. Now what I want you to notice now again is this tremendous contrast. The heart can be filled with joy or the heart can be filled with hatred. So how do we, how do we protect our hearts? In fact, it says in the book of Proverbs, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it come the springs of life or the issues of life. And we're going to look at this. But you know, it's amazing. You hear people say the phrase, follow your heart. Now, is that a good phrase to use? Follow your heart? Well, you answer that in the light of Jeremiah 17, 9, which says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, the point is, until a person gives themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, the heart is in a condition where it can do the worst of the worst. I remember hearing this a number of years ago. A man who said, you know, I know Christ is my Savior. I, I am in submission to him. But I still have a heart that he needs to control. He needs to control my heart. So important. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Why do we sin? We sin because of things in our hearts that shouldn't be there. Out of the heart comes these things, Jesus said. In fact, the Lord uh, said in Jeremiah 17.10, I, the Lord, test the heart. I test the mind and give to every man according to his ways. So... Uh, the word of the Lord is very clear that God looks at our hearts. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. So if that's true, I want to pray something like we sang this morning. We sang, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Wow. So I asked myself the question this morning. Is my heart right with the Lord? I hope and pray it is. I prayed long before coming to open the scriptures with you. God wants my heart to be right before him. We should pray this prayer often. Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. The interesting thing is, if we say, you know, I really want God to direct my life. I really want him to give me direction. I still think that that John 7 passage that we mention from time to time is a key. I think it's a key for the Lord directing us. All of us probably in one way or another saying, uh, you know, Lord, what's the things you want me to do today? Lord, what are the things that you want me to do this week? How, how do you want me to relate to others? Well, John 7, 17, Jesus said this. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know. Now, here, here's what's interesting. 
He's talking about his teaching, that his teaching, Jesus' teaching, came from the Father in heaven. And he spoke the words of the Father to the people of Israel and to the people of his day. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know. That is a key verse. Do I really want what God wants for my life? And if the answer is yes, he will take care of my heart. He will guide my heart. He will lead me. That's one of the keys to having a heart that's in fellowship with the Lord. It's interesting. In Second Chronicles chapter 26, it says that the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus the king to allow the Jews to go back into the land. Here's a, here's a political leader, and the Lord worked in his heart. Cyrus, the king of Persia, probably was not a believer. See, sometimes we say, well... You know, we're encouraged to pray for the president and pray for those who are in authority. Yeah, we do this on the basis of the Word of God, which says to pray for those who are in authority. Does it make a difference? Well, certainly it makes a difference. We go to the Lord and we say, Lord, we want your will to be done. If anyone desires to do his will, we want your will. When, we're, when that's large in our thinking, when we desire to do what he wants us to do, it's amazing how he will work on our hearts. It really is. Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 2, wrote that the Lord had put in his heart the plans that he had for Jerusalem. Remember they were to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? It's the Lord that put those plans in Nehemiah's heart. So likewise, what's the key here? The key is if I say to the Lord, Lord, I desire your will above all else, and I want my heart to be right before you. That's the key. That is the key. I love the account in 1 Kings chapter 3, where Solomon, before he ever became leader of the people of Israel, stepped into the role. It says in 1 Kings 3, 5, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, Ask what I shall give you. Remember that? He says to Solomon, What would you like? What, what, what do you want me to give you? By the way, Solomon was 19 years old at that time. And Solomon prayed and said, Lord, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. Now that's big. That's a big request. What shall I give you, Solomon? Give to your servant an understanding heart. That's how we can be praying. Lord, help me to have understanding with the things that come in my pathway, with the circumstances of my life. Lord, give me understanding. But even along with that, you'll notice that he said, that I may judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. Boy, that's big. That is really big. Because there's a lot of people who do not know the difference between good and evil. And we're living in a day when some people call evil good and good evil. Immorality. Homosexuality. Lesbianism. Oh, that's okay. That's calling evil good. God calls it evil. In fact, he uses the term in Leviticus. It's an abomination to the Lord. We have to be so careful 
Lord, give me an understanding heart. We don't hate those who are involved in those sins. We care for them. We want them to be converted. We want them to come to Christ. We want them to have their lives changed. But the Word of God is so clear. We need discernment between good and evil. It's interesting when you pray for wisdom that the Lord is pleased to give it to you when you want to use that wisdom to do His will. Anyone who wills to do His will, He shall know. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And then you go on down in the chapter, and it says in Proverbs 2.10, When wisdom enters your heart, discretion will preserve you. Don't miss it. When we go to the Lord for wisdom... We say, Lord, I want to know the difference between good and evil. I need discernment in this day in which we're living. When that happens, when you go to the Lord and you sincerely desire that wisdom, discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. In other words, you'll have a heart of wisdom. The heart is also called in the Bible not only the seed of wisdom, but it's the seed of trust. This past week we heard of two evangelical leaders, those in Christian circles who said they were leaving the faith, no longer believing in what the Bible says about Christ or what the Bible says about how we should live before him. Two. Well... Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is so familiar to us. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You see, the heart is also the seed of trust. And so we need to, as believers, when the trials come along, when the things we don't understand come our way, we need to say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you now today. Here's what I believe you want me to do. So I step out and do the things that God wants me to do. I trust you, Lord, with all my heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. A heart that's not submitted to God can do some pretty bad things. And I think the passages of Scripture that we've looked at bring that out very clearly. But the Lord Jesus Christ reminds us that sin is first committed in the heart. So you're going to come away from this message and you're going to say, boy, he used the word heart a lot this morning. Yes. Jesus said, but I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, you see why we have to, as believers, be very careful to take care of our inner being, the inner person, the seed of emotions and will. We have to be very careful. And what about forgiveness? Forgiveness, again, 
must come from the heart. Remember the parable of the servant who was forgiven a large debt and then that servant who was forgiven a large debt went and found a fellow servant and he wouldn't forgive him. And Jesus rebuked him. And Jesus said, you must forgive from the heart. Forgiveness must come from the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. There's three reasons why we should guard our hearts. First of all, because the heart is extremely valuable. We guard the things that are valuable. Your heart is valuable. It's the essence of who you are. It's your authentic self. It's that part of you that connects with God. How's my heart? It should be loving the Lord. It should be caring for others. It's that part of you that connects with God and with others. It says, above all else, guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 Not, if you get around to it, be careful of your life. Be careful how you live. Be careful of the things that you listen to. Be careful of the things that you see. Guard your heart. Secondly, because the heart is the source of everything you do. One of the translations says that the heart is the wellspring of life. It's the source of things that we do in our lives. Out of it flow our thoughts and words and actions. Thirdly, because the heart is under constant attack. Do you know that there are some believers who kind of relax and, well, is there really spiritual warfare? Does Satan really want to mess up my life? Yes, he does. He wants to mess up our lives. He can't have our souls, but he wants to mess up our testimony, mess up our lives. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and the rulers of the darkness of the world. Our problem is not necessarily with other people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but people whose hearts are controlled by the enemy. And the enemy once has all types of weapons that he uses. You say, okay, uh, how do I know that... Um, how do I know that I'm being uh, attacked spiritually? How do I know that there's something that could hinder my heart and my life? I'm going to mention the three D's. The three D's. Disappointment, discouragement, disillusionment. That's what Satan uses. He wants us disappointed. You see, these two who came out on the Internet and talked about leaving the faith, they were disillusioned. Where does that come from? God's not the, uh, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. How did they get over to that position? I believe personally that people lose their confidence in the Lord when they get away from the Word of God. Because it's the Word of God, you see, that builds us up and edifies us, as the Apostle Paul said in Acts 17. I give you the word of God which is able to build you up. If you neglect the Bible long enough, if you neglect fellowship with God's people long enough, you're going to become discouraged. You're going to become disillusioned. The attacks of Satan upon the heart, upon your life. 
How do you guard your heart? This is interesting. I asked myself that question. Ephesians 4.23 says, Guard your heart, for out of it come the wellspring of life. The very next verse down under that, Proverbs 4.23 says, Avoid perverse talk and stay away from corrupt speech. Okay, how do I guard my heart? First of all, I need to be careful of what I say to others. You will find as a believer, especially when you want to witness to someone, you want to move somebody closer to the Lord, you need to be careful of your speech. New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. So I would say, the Lord says, guard your heart, Ephesians 4, 23. The next verse down, Ephesians 4, 24, don't let corrupt speech come out of your mouth. So as believers, we have to be real careful. We may have the truth of God, but you know the New Testament says we're to speak the truth in love. And so I need to be careful of what I say. Catch yourself today. You're in conversation with somebody. Be careful what you say. Let the Lord guide your speech. Secondly, keep your eyes straight ahead. You see, that's what it says in Proverbs 4.25. Next verse down. Let your eyes look straight ahead. And the idea there is keep your eyes focused on the Lord. Remember that Jesus is your example. Remember, Jesus is the one who cares for you and wants you to follow him and, and to be doing his will in your life. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Proverbs 4.25. In fact, the psalmist prayed, Psalm 119, verse 37, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and preserve my life according to your word. Thirdly, listen carefully to God's word. You know, I'm, I'm impressed with how much there is in the Word of God that tells us to remember the words of the Lord, to retain what God has said. Jesus said, He who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken you to a wise man who built his house on a rock. Listen carefully to God's Word. You know, it's really interesting when someone come up to you and say, you know, hey, this week the Lord was working in my life and um, here's a verse that he gave me. Oh, boy, that is so good. Here's a verse, a word of God, a rhema of God, a portion of God's word that he's using in your life. God wants us to be taught of him and he wants us to memorize his word. And have certain verses that the Holy Spirit can use to continue to guide us in His will, plan, and purpose. The beginning of the year, I asked the Lord for a verse that would be helpful to me through the whole year uh, that He would use to uh, encourage me in His will and His leading. And uh, He encouraged me with 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Where it says, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. All my thoughts, and why should they be brought in captivity to Christ? Because what we think leads to what we do. And so we want our thoughts to be pleasing to the Lord. And then fourthly, how do we guard our hearts? 
we pray fervently to the Lord. You say, well, now why would you use a verse like that? Well, because sometimes we pray casually. Sometimes our heart's not in it. We say, Lord, uh, bless the missionaries. We say, Lord, bless my family. No, Lord, work in their hearts. Help them to understand your will. Help them to make good choices that are pleasing and honoring to you. Jesus said to the disciples, Watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How do we take care of our hearts? Watch and pray so we don't enter into temptation. So closing verses important in this subject would be these. First of all, 1 Kings 3, 9. When Solomon prayed, he said, Lord, give me an understanding heart, the inner person, your inner person. Is my heart right before you? Lord, give me an understanding heart and a heart that will discern good and evil. Second verse, Psalm 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you. Let's pray together.